So this morning, uh, we're launching into a, a series of talks that we're simply entitling Reconstruction. And I got to be honest, out of everything uh, that we've ever talked about within the history of CMYK, this probably has been one of the most requested conversations or topics that we ever talk about. Outside of the sexuality conversation we had last summer, this has been the thing that most people that I talk to are saying, hey, when are you going to talk about this? And for some of you, this word reconstruction is like, that's a weird word. Why would people want to talk about that? Are they home builders? Like, what's going on uh, with your desire to talk about reconstruction? And for us, it really comes around this narrative or this process of understanding uh, how we move through spirituality or how we move through understanding the world in and around us. That we understand that our world is, starts at what I would call this first stage or phase. And this doesn't come from me. This comes from a guy named Richard Rohr was the first one that I heard talk about. We, we come from this place called construction. And this space of construction is really the narrative or the story that you were handed growing up. In other words, we all grew up in a home, potentially, where we were told this is who God is or who God isn't. This is how the world works. This is the best way to interact with your family and your friends. This is what you're supposed to do. It's how we grow up. It's what our parents are supposed to do. It's a good thing that we have people informing a narrative for us, and we're not just apes running around trying to figure it all out for ourselves, that there is a story given for us. This is who God is. This is how you should move forward. If you want to be successful, do these things. Don't do those things. It's not a bad thing. But there's a point in life for many people, if not most people, where we start to find this narrative that we were given, this story of this is who God is, this is how the world works, and how you're supposed to interact with those things, that it's, it starts to kind of break down. And we start to have some questions, and we start to wonder a little bit, is that really the way that it is? We start to have experiences or interactions with other people or in ourselves, and we start to go, man, I don't, I don't know. I know that that's what I've believed my whole life, or I know that's what I was told, but I just, I just don't think that that's really the best way forward. Maybe it's something not just spiritually, but politically or something relationally. I know that I was told that this is the best way to go, but I mean, it just doesn't seem like that's working or that doesn't seem to be the reality that I'm experiencing. And what that does is it starts to invite us into this next stage and this next phase of deconstruction. It's this point in life where we hit where we are willing to actually poke the box. We're willing to start to deconstruct and tear down this narrative that we were handed. As good and beautiful as it may have been on many levels, there's this part of us that says, I just don't think that's it. And so we start reading things, listening to things, having conversations, asking questions that maybe we, we were never willing to ask up to this point because we, we, we knew that's outside this narrative. That's outside the box that I grew up in. Don't go there. Don't talk about that. Don't ask that question. But we get to this point of deconstruction. We just start saying, I, I think I need to ask that question. I think I need to be honest about the reality around me. And rather than just pre pretend it's not there or use this kind of canned answer maybe that I was given, I need to be honest about what's happening. Deconstruction. Now, here's the important thing for me within that process. The question I think we need to ask is, why are we making that transition? What's the reason that we would choose to go? Because for most of us, we would say this place of construction. For me, it was growing up in a, in a church home and a church family that was, by all you know, accounts and statistics and standards, successful. Things were good. There wasn't a major crisis or a major problem or a major issue that was being faced. It was comfortable. It was nice to be in the space that I was, believing what I was believing. 
But this point hit for me as it maybe has hit for you where that just didn't work. So for me, the question is, why? What's the instigator? What's the thing behind that? And I know all of us would probably have a different set of reasons or lists of experiences and things that took place. Okay. But for me, I think there's something, if we're honest, for most of us that have processed or gone through this place of construction into a state of deconstruction that triggered it, a major thread through whatever the details of your story would be. And I think it potentially is this that we started to realize the story that we were handed was not big enough to encapsulate or to be a part of the world that we were actually experiencing. The story that we were handed just felt too small. It was a story potentially that revolved around there are those that are in and those that are out. The people that have got it all together, they've got all the language and the beliefs and you know they say the right things, they're the in crowd. And there's people that think differently, believe differently, act differently, and they're on the outside. And for many of us, this small narrative got really funky when we started to think about anybody that doesn't believe or think or act like this, they're on the outside. And that means that they are going to spend an eternity in hell because they don't have the right language. They don't say the right things. They don't go to the right places or do the proper things. And so they're going to go to hell. It was a story that just felt too small all of a sudden. For some of, a, for some of us, potentially it was the topic of sexuality. Again, a story that's too small. They can't look at our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and say, hey, there's space and there's room for you here. It just felt too small. And so all of a sudden we started to deconstruct. For some of us, it was a belief around what the Bible is and what the Bible isn't. All of a sudden the Bible became, it almost felt too small because you just, it is what it is. And we were given this narrative, but we started to ask questions and look at the, the history of it and what is actually happening. And all of a sudden we are willing to start pulling the pieces about out. For some of us, it was a story that was too small around the conversation of science and religion, that those two things felt really opposed, and we weren't quite sure, but that's a, that story is too small, because all of a sudden, scientists that are kind of study and research and understand some things in a, in a good, beautiful way, all of a sudden, this book, this ancient text, it doesn't line up with what it says, so all of a sudden, we have to deny science? We have to deny what's being spoken of for those that are in earnest, working to understand the world? And for some of us, it was a belief system that was too small because, if we're honest, some of us saw this narrative that I was handed. It seems to celebrate and simply continue to lift up those in power. And those with a lot seem to be able to get more and more and more and more. And it's a narrative that continues to fuel and, you know, fuse that compared to a narrative that, again, it's too small. Those that are on the outside. Those that are on the bottom, they, they're not as seen and as celebrated. There's something wrong and broken with them that they need to fix. It's a story that's too small. For some of us, maybe it wasn't an external story that we were experiencing. Maybe it was something more internal. Maybe you started to experience some things, question some things, and you very quickly experienced this space, this narrative that you grew up in, it doesn't have room for you anymore because you're now on the outside, because you're thinking differently, you're acting differently, you're believing differently, so now you're on the outside. And the two smallness was you being rejected, you being belittled, you feeling judged for who you are and what your real honest experiences were. And all of a sudden, the story was too small. Again, there's probably thousands of other explanations or reasons why we would move from construction, this narrative that we were given, to deconstruction. But I think for many of us, it's a story that was just too small 
for the world that we are experiencing. And for me, what I find really fascinating is it, it can be a difficult thing. It can be a challenge to find our life move from construction to deconstruction. It's not, it's not an easy, it's not even a desirable thing. But when we make that step and we start to get to this place of, you know, being willing to ask questions, being willing to kind of read and research and study things outside of this narrative or this box that we grew up in, it can start to kind of feel kind of nice because we feel like, man, I'm, I'm enlightened. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. We feel like we're no longer potentially, maybe some language you would use, I'm not as ignorant as I once was. I'm not as small-minded as I once was. We're in a better place than we were. And it's our ability to then look at all the other things that maybe we came from and say, yeah, I don't believe that. I don't think that. I don't like that. And this is what deconstruction does. It's pulling all the pieces out from what we once came from. That's not a bad thing. But the tendency and the potential is for you and I to find our lives falling in love with this thing called deconstruction. To fall in love with the ability to feel like, man, what new thing is there out there that I can learn that can continue to demolish and tear down the thing that I came from? What thing can I read? What thing can I listen to that I just feel better and better and better about who I am? And the reality is, in a state of deconstruction, we are living in a place and we are living in a space where all we're doing is consistently tearing down. All we're consistently doing is pointing at other people that believe a different way or think a different way. And in our minds, or just verbally to them, telling them why they're so wrong, they're so ignorant, they're so silly, they're so stupid, and they just need to change their ways. If they would just see the light like you have seen the light. And the tendency, potentially, is for us to just land there and to spend the rest of our lives just tearing down everyone and everything that we continue to experience and for anybody that tries to come up with any kind of narrative or belief system for how the more beautiful way. This is the best way, I think. And we just are in this space of, nope, that's wrong, you're wrong, you're stupid, you're an idiot, and here's why. Feeling more and more enlightened. There's an old Jewish proverb that uh, was a, kind of the trigger for me around this whole series. Maybe some of you have heard it before. It says, any old donkey can tear down a barn. It takes a really special donkey to build one. And for me, this was something that, as goofy as that picture is, there's something around... The tendency, and I would even say the ease that we can find, that I can find in spending my life tearing everything down in and around me. And that's just where I am the rest of my life. Compared to being somebody that does the difficult, hard work of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build something. And to enter into this last space of reconstruction. Now, I think it's important to note, reconstruction, as we talk about it this morning, is not going back to where you came from. Reconstruction is not moving back. Reconstruction is actually a move forward to say, okay, deconstruction happened. And deconstruction is good, and it's an important part of the process. But reconstruction is starting to say, okay, rather than just spending my life tearing everything down, I'm going to actually start putting, putting some footings down. I'm going to start building something. And I would say that the same reason that you and I move from construction to deconstruction should be and needs to be the reason that we move from deconstruction to reconstruction. And that's a bigger story. It is not a big story to be somebody that just tears down. 
There's a bigger story out there. It's the reason we left where we were to get to this place of deconstruction. So don't end the journey and find yourself in this place where you can actually begin to build something that is that bigger story and narrative. And for me, this is where I, f- I find this moment in this interaction with Jesus where I believe he's actually talking about and referencing this journey of deconstruction and reconstruction in a really fascinating and, and profound way for me. It's an interaction that Jesus has with a crowd of people in Luke chapter 14. And it goes like this. It says, uh, let's go ahead and clear it. There we go. <laughs> uh, now great crowds accompanied him. Jesus, and he turned to them, he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, quick question, how many of you have ever heard or read this text before? This is a verse that is not new to really any of us. Now, for most of us, we heard this, and myself included, we've interacted with this text, and we've interacted on the level of, okay, so what Jesus is telling you to do is it's all about self-denial. And it's self-denial from the standpoint of what do you want, what do you desire, and now spend the rest of your life saying no to those things. So for me, growing up in the church as a horny middle school student or high school student or college student, just keep going, uh, it was you must deny yourself the pleasures that you really desire and the pleasures that you really want. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's saying no to sexual temptation. And that was the meta narrative, honestly, for a lot of, at least what I was hearing as someone growing up in the church. For others, it's you must say no to yourself when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to drugs, when it comes to the self-gratifying pleasures that we desire, you must say no to those things. Now, are there reasons to say no to self on some of those levels? Yes. But is that what Jesus is talking about? Is that what taking up your cross is and following him is? Oh, man, I'm just really struggling and suffering. High school conversations over and over again. I'm, I'm you know, trying not to masturbate this week because I'm just following Jesus, taking up my cross. Is that what Jesus is talking about? A 14-year-old kid in Billings, Montana, <laughs> not going after it uh, for the sake of taking up his cross. Is that the conversation? Now, what I find fascinating and most important about what's happening here is what leads into this topic for Jesus. There's a conversation being had here. This isn't just Jesus, you know, out of nowhere saying this, but there's actually a flow to what's being talked about. If we go back earlier, this is what we find earlier in Luke chapter 14. He's at a dinner with people, and he says, Now he told a parable to those who were invited to this dinner. And when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, He said, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you, both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus has this story about a culture that revolves around honor and always going after the thing that's most honored. And Jesus says, no, you used to flip that upside down and spend your life not going after what culture says is most honored, but actually taking the seat of lowest importance and significance because there's something there. Okay, next, Jesus moves in right after this. He, said, he also said to them, 
He said also to the man who had invited him, And when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. He moves into a story about, he moves into an invitation for this guy hosting the dinner and saying, Hey, if you want to know what I'm about, if you want to, it's, it's this understanding that you go and you get people that are not in the place of honor, not in the place of significance, and you give them a place of honor, and you give them a place of significance, even though they can't repay you. And even though that's not anything that's celebrated or anybody would applaud you for, you do that because those people are worthy of honor and significance. He moves on, and he tells this story right after that. He said, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Who is that wife that all of a sudden all social things are gone, apparently, for this guy? So the servant came and reported these things to his master. All the people that you're inviting are saying, no, they're too busy. They've got too much going on. Next slide. It says, then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Jesus tells this story. That there's the high, fruit and tutti important people, and they're really busy doing a lot of really busy stuff. But there's an invitation to something that's for everybody. And the everybody is not the high, fruit and tutti people because they're so busy with their stuff. Jesus is like, fine, go live your life worried about those things. There's something happening here that we need to make sure the lame, the crippled, the blind, that everybody is invited into this story and this embrace. Jesus tells these three stories around a dinner table. That there is this thing that I believe Jesus is pointing at called a bigger table or a bigger story where everyone is welcome. Everyone is seen, known, and embraced. And the people that are typically on the bottom know they're in the place of honor. They're the people that should be exalted, seen, recognized, and embraced. And the culture that that chooses to embrace and celebrate those on the top, Jesus is like, Go, go do your stuff, fine, whatever. But there's actually a bigger story here. And there's something at work here that you and I are invited into that. It's a bigger story. It's radical inclusion. That a world and a narrative potentially that spend itself saying who's in and who's out, Jesus says, no, there's a story here where everyone is in. I mean, everybody is in. And you thought you got everybody, but he sends a servant out again and says, no, I mean everybody, everybody. And it's in this. It's out of this. Immediately after this story, these stories, that Jesus says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's leave that up there for a second.
there's something that I've discovered. That when it comes to this process of moving from construction to deconstruction, that it can be a difficult thing. That can be a hard thing. It can be hard for particularly people that are still in this place of construction, that they're living in the narrative and it's working for them. It's not too small for them. So it's this difficult place. But what I believe in, what I've seen in my own life, is there is the possibility and the potential for me to get comfortable in deconstruction. And the comfort comes because I can just live here in my head. I can just read and process. I can have conversations in safe spaces with other people. But there's a cost. There's a big cost when you choose to say, okay, I'm not just going to live in my head and heart anymore with this stuff. I'm going to actually go and be somebody that lives out a bigger story. There's a cost to saying, I'm going to do everything I can to create a space. And whether it's my own home, whatever it is, to say, I want a table and I want a space where everyone is seen. I'm going to use my resources and my time and my energy to make sure that those are on the bottom, that nobody is seen, nobody is recognizing, nobody is caring about that they are seen, that they are known, that they are embraced. And this is where the cost truly, truly comes in. For me, many of you know my story growing up in the space that I grew up in, coming into this place of deconstruction, starting to ask questions. I was able to, and some of you know this, I was able to lead this church and be a part of this church for, for two years, asking questions, reading books, having safe conversations about, man, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about that. And it wasn't until it, me thinking about it, me talking about it, wasn't that challenging, particularly for leaders that I had above me at the time. But the minute, right, wrong, or indifferent, the minute that I said, okay, but now I actually want to create a space that works to see and embrace everybody. And at the time, it was the topic of sexuality, LGBTQ brothers and sisters, that we embrace and we affirm I could ask all the questions I want, but the minute I started to create and build something, there was a cost. And so all of a sudden, this verse comes alive. This morning, I really believe <clears throat> there's a bigger story. <clears throat> and I hope that this series and this conversation is an invitation into that bigger story. Wherever you are on that journey, and whatever it brings, because I believe, just like Jesus spoke of 2,000 years ago, that there is this invitation to be a part of something that is truly significant for my humanity and your humanity, a more beautiful way forward together. And that's not found when we just get stuck in deconstruction, but it's found when we actually start to build something. So the question this morning is, how are you individually reaching out and inviting others to the table? What are you building that's actually something that is seen and embracing those on the outside? I'm not just talking about, hey, go and invite people on Sunday mornings. That's not what this talk is about. How are you actively building something that is that bigger story? It's the reason that you would transition in the first place. So are you finding yourself moving there. So some of you might ask the question, okay, so how do you reconstruct? What does that look like, Matt? What do you actually start building? And I just got to be honest, I don't know. And I'm not here to tell you what that is, because that's different for everybody. 
And so that's why we're going to spend the next couple of weeks hearing from different people in our community that are in this process of reconstruction and what it looks like for them. Because I think there's some things that might be helpful for you in your own journey and process. But my hope is that you do not abandon this bigger story and that you work to actually live out and find this space of reconstruction where you're actually building something, whatever it is, and willing to put your neck on the line and see this verse that Jesus talks about, as difficult as it is to see this verse recognized because there are people that don't know what to do when you step outside the box and move towards radical inclusion, radical embrace of people, different beliefs, different thoughts, different politics, different ideas, different economic classes, wherever they are that we work to see and embrace them because this table is for everybody, that you would be somebody that is working diligently and practically to do that, not just living here. So I'm not here to tell you what reconstruction is, but I'll close with this. I think just like when you build a home, a home can be a lot of different things with a lot of different rooms, a lot of different layouts. You can go about it a lot of different ways. But there's probably a couple key things to what a healthy home looks like. Like you've got a roof over your head. There's some warmth attached to it. It's a place that you might want to sleep every once in a while. You know, as basic as a home gets, that's probably what you're going to find. And so when it comes to reconstruction, I think, I believe, that there is some healthy aspects of what reconstruction can and should look like. First and foremost, I think healthy reconstruction revolves around you and I not being as concerned with labels. For many of us, we grew up in this space that was all about labels, who's in, who's out, and trying to find all these labels. Then we move into the space of deconstruction, and we know that those aren't the labels for us anymore. I'm not that. I'm not a Christian. I'm not uh, evangelical. I'm not Catholic. Whatever it is, we work to say, that's not who I am. Okay, fine. But the tendency potentially is for us in deconstruction to feel like we need to find more labels then. Well, if I'm not that, am I agnostic? Am I atheist? Am I just a humanist? Am I Buddhist? Am I a mystic? What am I now? Because I'm looking for a label like I had a label before. I believe that reconstruction, a reconstruction that's invited into a bigger story, is one that's not as concerned with labels. Because why? You're doing everything that Jesus invited you to do. I'm just, like, I just work to see people. Is that cool? <laughs> like, I'm just working to hear people wherever they are and whatever their story is, because it matters and it's significant. And I don't hear their story and try to put them in a box of like, oh, it sounds like you are a diet atheist. Like, you're an atheist, but you're just a not quite fully an atheist, so diet atheist. We'll call you that. We don't worry about that. We just worry about hearing and seeing and embracing and connecting with people because this is a bigger table and everybody's story matters at this table. So we're not as worried about it. We're not as worried about, and when we get to this point, I think healthy reconstruction is not trying to define for us or the world around us. We can hear things from Buddha. We can hear things from other religions. We can hear things from other places and go, there's truth there. There's beauty there. There's goodness there. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. And we don't feel like we have to reject. We can just find what's good, true, and beautiful because it's what Christ has been about and is about. And celebrate those things and the things that are not inclusive, the things that are rejecting of others' humanity and belittling of others. We're willing to say, yeah, independent of the label, yeah, that is not right and healthy. Labels don't matter as much. Secondly, I think healthy reconstruction means you're open to more deconstruction. For some of us, the transition from construction to deconstruction can be a painful, hard thing. And so the thought of moving into reconstruction, it's the fear that we're moving back to construction, like I mentioned earlier, and the fear that we're going to have to go through another painful process of saying, well, I set you know, my, my stake down and I said, I believe these things. And, and to, to live in this anxiety of, but what if I don't believe those things someday? And so we're fearful to start to build anything because we're afraid we're going to have to tear it down again. 
And I believe that healthy reconstruction is just saying, yeah, no, this is, yeah, this is where I'm at. It's 2019, May. Sounds about right. This is where I'm at. And I could, I could be here for the next 20 years. That feels right. But something could happen. Something could come. And I could find my life because I'm pursuing this bigger story. I'm pursuing a more beautiful way forward together. I could find myself in a place going, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's right anymore. And I don't feel like I have to apologize for Matt Blakesley five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Why? Because this whole thing has been about a journey for me and for you of finding this bigger story and actually living it out. So I don't get fearful of more deconstruction. I just realize that's just a part of life and the process. Thirdly, I believe that healthy reconstruction means you can own where you came from. Some of us this morning potentially heard a hymn or a prayer, and there was this part of us that started to twitch and jerk a little bit because of where we came from. And there's some hurt, some baggage, some trauma from where we came from, potentially. Okay. I think we got to own that. That for some of us, we interact with, and I would, I would say most of us in this room, some kind of Christian narrative, and we potentially come out of that, and we find ourselves in this place of being not just belittling, but reactive to anything that's Christian out there, whether it's something politically, or whether it's something that happens, you know, a Christian song comes on, or someone wants to pray before a meal. There's something in us that just wants to belittle and tear that down and say, that's dumb, that's stupid, that's silly. We want to make fun of it. Okay, I think that's part of deconstruction in some ways, but I don't think it's healthy to stay there. We move into this place where we can become comfortable with, yeah, if you want to pray, we can pray. Yeah, if you want to sing about song or Jesus, God or Jesus, okay, that's fine, that's whatever. That we can be okay. For me, it came around this understanding of, I have decades of my life spent studying, researching, working to understand the scriptures and this thing called Christian spirituality. And rather than rejecting that, I can lean into that and say, yeah, <laughs> I, there's no way I'm going to get to a place that I understand what I understand about Christianity and the scripture. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this has been my story, and I can own that. So I can talk about Christ. I can talk about scripture. I can talk about Christianity. Let's do it. Let's go there. I don't need to avoid that stuff. I can talk about what's good, true, beautiful, and honest about those things. And I can also talk about, yeah, I think that's a little broken, a little messed up. I'm not there. But I don't come with some baggage that I have to belittle or tear down what's happening over there when I experience it. We can just own where we came from. Yeah, that's who I am. That's where I came from. And lastly, I believe healthy reconstructions mean, means that you can embrace someone at any stage of their story. A few weeks ago, I had a conversation um, with somebody that uh, is part of CMYK. And they were talking about someone else in this community that uh, is going... Actually, I'm just going to say it because he probably wouldn't mind. They were talking about Seth. And they were asking the question about Seth. They're saying, when is that guy going to be done with deconstruction? If you know Seth or have heard Seth talk, you know, it's basically this. Hi, I'm Seth. I don't believe or know any of this stuff. Let's have communion. And... Uh, Sorry. <laughs> He's not here. We're fine. <laughs> and people have questioned. I'm just being honest. People have wondered, why the heck does that guy have the microphone? Well, he's in this place of deconstruction. And he's actually next week going to talk about his reconstruction. So cliffhanger for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but this person came up and they're like, when is he done? When is he done? I'm okay with deconstruction. And in fact, they said this. I've been through my own deconstruction. And now I'm in reconstruction. But when is he done with his? Because, come on, man. Come on. Get, get it together and start putting some pieces on the ground. Now, I, under, I understand his desire and his hope. 
all around that. But I think true, honest, and healthy reconstruction is understanding that wherever anybody is at their stage, that's okay. I'm not here to force you into anything. If you're in construction, I'm not here to force you into deconstruction. If you're in deconstruction, I'm not here to force you into reconstruction. It's an invitation to say there's a bigger story. And if you find it here, if you find it here, if you find it here, wherever it is, just do that. And we don't set the timetables for other people. I don't get to determine when that happens for you. And I don't think I even get to determine when it happens for me. We just get to this place where we can healthily look at these things and say, okay, I think I'm ready to start putting some building blocks down. This morning we come to this table. And I know if you've been around, you've heard me say it hundreds of times. This table is for everybody. And wherever you are in your journey, it matters and it's significant. And we end at this table because we believe that there's a bigger story here. And my hope and my prayer is that wherever you are in your journey, that you're finding that bigger story. That you're not living in a place of just holding up narratives that you don't necessarily believe, but you're just doing it because that's what you do. That you're not in a place of just tearing everything down because that's just what's become comfortable and easy and the norm for you. But that you and I, wherever we are, can find ourselves in a place at a table like this, inviting and seeing and embracing everyone. Working to upset the dynamics of those in power. They're the most significant ones. And saying, no, actually the ones on the bottom, we got to hear them. Embrace them, see them, work to serve and give our lives for them. This morning we come to this table. And we're just going to throw a couple questions on the screen for you this morning. Have you found a bigger story? Is your story too small? How are you actively living out that story? Not just thinking about it, not just listening or reading or having closed off conversations about it. And who are you working to see and invite to the table? Whether that's here whether that's anywhere else. This stuff matters to me. And some of us carry wounds and scars from this journey that we've been on. But I really believe this. It matters. It matters for myself, and it matters for this community, this city of Billings. I really believe it matters that we work to see and embrace those. Everybody. Radical inclusion. So we're going to play a song, and everyone is welcome to this table to come take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. And this, for thousands of years, has been an invitation to this same meal that Jesus is talking about to say, I know there's a culture out there. We're going to do it differently. This is a bigger story. And everybody, feel free to come forward and receive. I still think that it's crazy that um, I, I started a church when I was going through this process. <laughs> and there's still people here. I, I say that because um, some of you may be in a place of um, fearful of deconstruction or fearful of reconstruction. And I just want you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm the proof. <laughs> there are people here that want to know you, see you, embrace you, wherever you are in your journey and story. Our only invitation and work together in the midst of it, wherever you are, is to be present to be honest, to be open, and to be the embodiment of love. So do that. And thank you. Um, 
thank you for allowing me to go through this process and journey. And, and I'm sure just like we talked about this morning, there's more deconstruction, but I'm committed and I believe we're committed as a, as a church and a community to build a bigger table and to invite people to a bigger story and to see and embrace anyone and everyone and make sure their voice matters in our community. So thank you for being a part of that work. If there's anything we can do for you, please uh, let us know. As always, uh, feel free to hang out and connect with one another uh, for a little bit if you want to do that. Other than that, have a great week. Uh, We'll see you back next week. Thanks, guys.